1: I just want to dive straight into it. I don't even want to mess around. I don't want to do an intro. I just want to get straight into it. You didn't even ask me if I was ready. No. (laughs) (laughs) Since the Grand Prix finished yesterday, I've just been waiting to jump onto this podcast and debrief on I guess the most exciting moment of the season
2: so far or maybe even the best race weekend of the season so far Uh, I don't know I mean this is just yeah the levels of excitement that we had as the race was happening fast forward the time that we've had to digest everything that we've seen on social media the amount of a opinions that are on social media everyone seems to have their own take on what happened and can I just say that this season is not only heating up to be the best season in our our generation (laughs) at least Um, but the fact that this has happened when it's happened is only going to add fuel to the fire for the rest of the world championship fight and that I mean we all knew this was coming it was gonna happen. We've been waiting for it almost. Going, Come um, on. But I wasn't expecting it to happen in the manner that it did. And honestly, when he went into the barrier, I was like, oh, that oh, was big. That was that was my same thing. I yeah. was I was
1: watching it with, with Vicky my mum and they were like, ah! And I was like, no, no, that <laughs> no, was so a yeah, big yeah. until we've seen him get out of the car. Everyone just relaxed for two seconds because yeah. that is a big crash. Yeah. Okay, let's, let's just bring everything down a bit. Let's scale it back. Welcome to After the Checkered Flag, my F1 special series here on the Behind the Glass podcast. I'm joined as always by Paul Wallace from Supercars of London, who is currently rearranging the hats on my table. He's positioned Red Bull in the middle of the table. just, I've just split Mercedes and Red Bull up there. (laughs) Just so. Probably a good idea. Because yes, today we are going to be reviewing the quite insane British Grand Prix weekend. Not just the race, but the weekend because it was the first time we saw F1 sprint, which F1 for some reason wouldn't, didn't want to call a race, but let's face it, it was a race, uh, qualifying on a Friday and then the most controversial moment of the season, which I agree has seen social media erupt in quite aggressive <laughs> nature. I mean, on the main podcast, people who listen to the main show with Tony will know that recently we spoke about the sort of controversy of you know social media around the Euros and mm. obviously the backlash that some of the England football players suffered. And I was like, oh, you know, you don't really get that in other sports. Oh no, you get it in F1 yeah. when Hamilton and Verstappen clash on track in such a sort of, I'm going to say it again, my favourite word for this episode, controversial <laughs> way. Uh, yeah, it really ignited some some pretty uh, extreme opinions. Yeah. And I got scared on social media last night. I had to come away from oh, it. Oh, so
2: I got scared uh, last Sunday night after okay. the Euros and took some time. Time to, away. To, to just sort of uh, let everything pass. Um, I wanted to remove uh, myself. And, like, I've seen a little bit this morning. Um, I think it's probably worth saying now it's fairly disgusting some of the reactions that have have been thrown towards Lewis. Yeah. Um, and can I say as well, also Max. Oh, but, I was talking uh, about the racism. No, no,
1: agreed. But as we touched on the main podcast, and we probably shouldn't go into this too much, not because I want to avoid it, but because we did a big section on it on the last, right. last week's episode, but also trolling in general. Oh, Because yeah, yeah. off the back of Max's post-race tweet, he has got oh, a lot really? of abuse too. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Okay. And so I think what it is here is we've got two huge personalities within the sport, Hamilton and Verstappen, who have insanely loyal... And outspoken fans, right? And the one thing which I'm going to say is- well, that they're outspoken
2: because w- everyone's got a social media account. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> we're
1: going to be reviewing, we're going to be discussing, as I say, this race weekend, and, and especially this moment where Hamilton and Verstappen, if you didn't miss, if you've been sleeping under a rock, <laughs> collided and resulted in Verstappen having a huge 50G accident on the first lap of the race and then Hamilton going on to win. So we're going to be talking about this. This is not gonna be an unbiased podcast. We are Hamilton fans, fundamentally. We have our own opinions, our own thoughts, everyone is allowed their own opinions and thoughts. We're going to disagree with each other. It's (laughs) it's always going to happen. And we want the comment section. We want you guys to come in and talk through what you're thinking, what you're feeling. But just remember to have a little bit of sort of patience and understanding for each other. And whilst we can disagree, we shouldn't necessarily go after each other. (laughs) Well, Paul and I probably will in this episode, (laughs) but we're not going to be setting a good example. But it's just so much to analyse. And you're right depending on which side of the coin,
2: you know, you want things to land on, you're gonna feel, yeah, you're gonna feel feel, cheated. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's when I first saw it happen. I knew what was gonna ensue on social media with everyone jumping in. And because, probably jumping the gun here a little bit, but based on the experts and the unbiased pundits and ex Formula One drivers, ex world champions that were all there and analyzed it, no one could choose whose fault it was. But can I just come out and say, bravo Karun
1: Chandok. Because actually, for the first, well, really until long after the race, he was pretty much the only person that stood up and made a declaration. Yeah. They all sat on the fence oh, for that's so diff- it's long. Oh, that's such a difficult oh, it's, one. Oh, you yeah. know, I don't know. And he was the first person to really analyse it and say, look, in my opinion, this is what it was. They both could have done more
2: racing incident.
1: Which, and, and the thing is, That's it. We're we're all going to analyse it differently. The stewards came down in the decision that Hamilton was...
2: (laughs) Yeah, fundamentally, they're the only ones that matter. Well, there we go. (laughs) In, In that situation,
1: they were the ones who decided that Hamilton was largely to blame and therefore received a penalty. But I really got frustrated, even to be honest, with Lewis after the race that there weren't some more outspoken opinions. Where was Nico Rosberg this weekend? <laughs> oh, can I you mean, imagine? He I there's
2: definitely going to be a YouTube video coming.
1: He would have blamed Charles Leclerc, probably. <laughs> but, you know, like, <laughs> it just, honestly, it was one of those things. So, in this episode, we are going to be sharing our opinions, and we are going to be voicing them, and we are probably going to be biased towards Hamilton. I'm going to do my very best. Oh, so am I. Okay, I'm going to do my very <laughs> best to look at it from both ways. But last night, I did put a poll on my Instagram stories, Ooh. just to see, because it was so hard to understand where public opinion lay mm. after the race. There was so much noise it's, on social yeah, media. It's, it's
2: hard to actually try and sift through and get a sway one way or another. Yeah.
1: So, I literally asked a very, well, actually convoluted question, but simple <laughs> question. Did you agree with Hamilton's penalty? Okay. 49% said yes. Oh, wow. 51% said no.
2: So does that that's, mean that's the people- 13,000 votes. Okay, so the people that might have disagreed, either, oh, it should have been five seconds, or yes. disqualification. Yes. So that was kind <laughs> of my point, is I
1: didn't want to say, should
2: Hamilton have got a penalty?
1: Yeah, Because uh, it's a slightly different question. Yeah, I just want to know if they agreed with the penalty he received. And there can be multiple reasons for that. But fundamentally, we're looking at 50-50. Mm. So there's a, a real divide here. Um, so I guess who wants to go first? Let well, me ask you, Paul. Let me ask you, Paul. You're, you're the guest, so I can always get rid of the you. The guest! <laughs> if, if everyone oh, hates you, oh, <laughs> if everyone hates my you, heart. I can replace you with another guest. <laughs> so talk to me. At the time of the impact, mm. what was your immediate reaction to witnessing this moment?
2: I was expecting them to avoid as in based on what I saw in the sprint race and based on like, so Lewis was on the outside in the sprint race on lap one. Going into not, cops, same corner. Not that he, yeah, not that he backed out, but he let Max have the corner. Um, I thought based on everything that built up to that situation, max was defending for his life lewis was attacking for his life because he knew how important it was to get past max on the first lap if he had any chance of picking up maximum points i didn't see lewis backing out of that i would have assumed considering there is an entire race ahead of him that max i thought he was uh, a more mature a more level-headed driver i'd hoped that he would have avoided that to give himself a chance of picking up some points. Do you get what I mean? The qu- Yeah, I think the the question or the
1: maybe the point being, if Verstappen had let Hamilton go at that corner and conceded that corner, would he have been able to actually then pass an overtake or overtake catch an overtake Hamilton during the race and end up winning the race anyway? C- could that have happened? Yeah, of Based course. Based on what we saw in the sprint yeah. and across the race weekend, it did
2: seem that Red Bull did just about have the pace of It was on a knife edge. But even still, the decision that Max had in that situation was pick up some points and damage limitate, even if he doesn't win, like what Lewis has been doing all season. He's conceded a couple of positions across the tracks that they've raced at and finished and picked up points, which is why he is where he is in the World Championship. I kind of felt like on lap one... I know they were racing wheel-to-wheel and it was so exciting, everything building up to that moment. Um, I wonder if Max did the race again, he would have given Lewis a bit more space just so that he can damage limitate, even if he doesn't
1: win. So, okay, so let's try and flip this on his head a little bit because I totally see where you're coming from and I think probably fundamentally I agree with you slightly, but this is the difference between someone going for their first world championship and on the up of their career and such an exciting, amazing talent for the future and someone who's been in the sport Mm. for... 2007, 15 odd (laughs) years and and won multiple championships and you know, knows the benefit of biding your time and maximising points. But what I think we saw here, and I have mentioned it personally a few times in in this season, is Hamilton showing signs of frustration, showing that he is not intimidated by Max, but knows that he's got a proper foe. Getting his
2: elbow out. Well, he needs to, because actually
1: we've seen at Imola, we've seen in other uh, races that... Max kind of has, you know, got his elbows out and taken advantage shown of Lewis. His dominance. Shown his dominance. But also Lewis has taken the back seat and mm. gone, yes, okay, let's just damage limitation. I've got to bide my time. There'll be my moment. He's just collecting points. Just collecting points. And I think here, clearly what we saw was Hamilton going, enough's enough. And in his post-race interview, he definitely insinuated that he was fed up with Verstappen just being like, uh, aggressive to the point where, he was expecting the other driver to back out, right? Like, the only option here is you've got to back out or we're having a crash. And I think Hamilton went, fine, let's have a crash. I think Hamilton's mentality- That's a risky strategy. No, but I I genuinely, if you look at a Senna, a Schumacher, a Vettel in his peak, any of these guys who are bloodthirsty for victory, I think Hamilton, and he, like, I was reading so hard between the lines in his post-race interview- he said, I, I wasn't prepared to be bullied out of yeah. going for overtakes anymore because of Max's aggression, i.e. someone is so aggressive that as another driver, you're like, I'm just going to, I'm going to get out of this. And therefore, Max wumps away with the win. And I think Lewis went, right, I'm going to put my car here. You make the call. Okay. You can turn in and we I can crash. Gonna, I was going to ask. that.
2: So you think he put the car there to give Max a decision rather than try and take the corner? Uh... Do you think he put the car there thinking he was going to yes. take the corner? Yeah,
1: okay. I think they both went into it think knowing if they both turned in as aggressive as they were, so Hamilton carrying that much speed, he was always going to push a little bit wide if Verstappen took the racing line, they both knew they were going to crash. Yeah. So it was like that... It's like chicken. Like, yeah. you know, when you're running across like the road at the a, a last minute. or a Fast and Furious scene fast they're and furious,
2: they're revving, doing burnouts and then driving at that each other. That is exactly <laughs> it. Waiting for the other one to pull out. <laughs> that is exactly
1: <laughs> what it was. Essentially, they both knew that it was going to be a crash. It was like, who's going to back Come out? Or, or yeah. And I think so far this season, Hamilton has backed out in those scenarios. So Max expected him to. Max expected him to. And I think Lewis went, enough's enough. And if we're going to have a crash, we're going to have a crash. And, and... I do think that's kind of what he was saying. Now, for, for, for that, I agree that he should have got a penalty. That, that's where I agree with the penalty. And when it happened, I personally said, five-second penalty. Mm. How can they not? With everything, the way the stewards yeah. behave these days, how can they not give him a penalty? I thought it would be the l- least. I thought it would be a five-second, ten-second. You know, it's still relatively mild. And as we saw, he was able to come through and, and pick up the victory. But I do think Hamilton didn't want an accident, said, Max, it's up to you. As in, you can have we can have this crash, yeah, but we don't have to if you actually just back out. And we saw later on in the race with Leclerc, slightly different but very similar moment where okay, fine, Hamilton was closer to the apex, carrying maybe less speed. Leclerc gave him a bit more space, ran wide, and conceded the position. Now, that was still Leclerc defending for his life. Let's face it, that's a Ferrari driver or Ferrari that shouldn't be winning races this year. Desperately wanted to. Desperately wanted to, two laps to go. You can see
2: after the race how exhausted he was, but also how frustrated he was that he lost it right at the end.
1: And so, and of course, Lewis passed Norris in the same place, but I think way more dominantly. My point being that, I agree with Karun Shandok. I think it was fundamentally a racing incident in the sense that neither were willing to concede. Yeah, And this was, and I think this is why it's the catalyst for this season, right? Because so far we had Lewis at the start of the year being like, calm down, little boy. Then we had Verstappen coming back being like, shut up, old man, get yeah. out of the way. <laughs> and obviously the balance had swayed. And I'm going to come out and say, it. I think whilst I questioned the F1 sprint and I still question it slightly, I think the reason Hamilton was like, enough's enough, was because of the The F1 sprint. sprint. Because he, obviously, Saldempo went backwards, but then was so competitive on lap one, and as you say, had to back out at Cops. I think that's different because he was trying to go around the outside rather than Verstappen trying to come up the inside. But I think Hamilton was like, screw this. I'm done with this kid. Yeah. So, as a Verstappen fan, I can understand why you would be like, disgusting, cheat, Fuming. fuming. yeah. But, firstly, I will just come out and say it, and don't come at me, for Verstappen (laughs) fans. He has made similar moves or mistakes. All great F1 drivers have. And he could have, look, Hamilton could have backed out. Yes,
2: totally agree. Mm -hmm. But so could have Max. Max could have decided to concede on that corner. Did you see the onboard where he started to turn in, Mm -hmm. then realised Lewis was there? Unraveled the steering wheel a little bit, and then went super aggressive, as then if to be like, uh, "No, I'm, I'm, go- am yeah. going." As if maybe that was his brain. Yeah, he was like, "No, no." Yeah, you know, yeah. I, just, I just swore on the podcast. Have to <laughs> is that the first time? No, it's not, but it's really annoying because <laughs> for the editing, I have to go back through, and find that moment, and bleep it, and I'll probably forget by the end of the episode. It was when I was doing the steering bit. There you go. Thank just said so <laughs> so you can the that.
1: Um But no, but I, so so this is the thing, right? Like, it, it's it's so hard to pick a side because I actually think both were equally to blame. But as a Verstappen fan, I would get why
2: you'd be going. Well, it's, it was recklessly dangerous from Hamilton. It's the outcome that's more frustrating than the crash. If they'd both spun off, like the Rosberg Hamilton of Barcelona, they yeah. would probably both be frustrated, but at the end of the day, no one gets points. Yeah, The fact is, Max went off in the manner he did, which yeah. is what Christian Horner and the whole of the Red Bull huge team were, accident. were fuming. It was a huge accident and um, obviously went to hospital and he's he's fine, thank thankfully. Um, but I think it's the outcome of the fact that Lewis got 10 seconds, still won, which is heroic, but Max is there in hospital whilst Lewis has picked up maximum points. That's what I think everyone is frustrated about after the incident.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and as I say, if it was the other way around, what would we be doing sitting here right now? Would we be well, saying, yeah, oh, Verstappen flip, punted him off? Flip the
2: cars, yeah. And I think if we'd Max be saying, oh,
1: it was it was petulant from Max... Uh, well Lewis didn't have, I, I would like to think we would be as equ- yeah, you know we'd be looking at it in the, same, the way. same way because because they were so I think we would be saying you know Lewis could have decided to concede that corner but why should he and this is the point right this is what we have to be careful with as F1 fans and as a sport is in these moments not to erase a racing driver's inherent uh, what's it called natural instincts instinct, yeah because, you know, Senna obviously famously when there's incident with Prost, if you don't see a gap there, you're no longer... Yeah. If you don't go for a gap that's there, you're no longer a racing driver. And and I think Hampton tried to quote that uh, later <laughs> on after the race. Uh, but it is true. But both... This is what we want to see. These are two clear drivers that are just miles away from the rest of the field. Verstappen approaching his prime. Heck, his prime could be still five years ago. But his, you know, his from, peak. From, from now. Yeah, sorry. So <laughs> five, five years, years ago. ago. When he was a Toro Rosso, he was really peak. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it could be five years from now. But the point being that they're operating at such a high level. And, and this was bound to happen at some point. Um, But it's what we want to see them Mm. going wheel to wheel, no one willing to concede. And what this sets up is what will it mean next time they go wheel to wheel? What is that going to be? Because I think Verstappen is going to be a little bit red mist, as in, screw you, mate. And I think Hampton's going to go, well, look, you just want to keep crashing? Let's just keep crashing. I do do think
2: that's how, which is a, you know, a dick dastardly mentality. Yeah. But... I thought Jensen summed it up really well in the post-race interviews with saying... What needs to happen now is because as neutrals, as fans, we want to see the wheel-to-wheel racing without the the red mist. Mm-hmm. And so Jensen basically said, what I hope for now is that Lewis and Max can sit down, understand what happened, and move on. Almost not forget about it, but s- sweep it under the rug, have it out and have that conversation just so that they can understand each other so that when they go into the next race it's almost as though it didn't happen and they're still fighting for the world championship tooth and nail.
1: I think there's a, you know, Verstappen came out with this tweet from the hospital saying, you know, I find it, I think we'd say disrespectful and
2: unsportsmanlike. I think. I, th- Hamilton I thought for the, the way that Red Bull reacted to the whole thing. Let's was... come back to that in two seconds. Okay. I totally
1: agree and I really want to go in on it. All okay. I was going to say is, I think there is a little bit of lack, of, not lack of respect, but I think they don't like each other at the mm. moment and and Hamilton feels... Verstappen's too aggressive. I think Verstappen feels that Hamilton's a bit of an old loser. I I think Max
2: thinks he's better than Lewis. One million percent.
1: And if you look back at that over the time, that's where you're going to see the clashes, right? The greatest on-track battles we've seen, the likes of Schumacher, Hakkinen, or, well, sometimes Senna Prost. You know, uh, who else am I trying to think of? Anyway, uh, Mansell, Senna, you know, was when they had ultimate respect and, and gave each other that Yeah perfect amount of track width and we've seen it with alonzo racing alonzo Weber. alonzo Weber was a real archetypical you know on track battles that were amazingly tight um but always fair and i think that's what we want to come right? off
2: fist bump each other and say "Well, race
1: yeah that's what we want to see like yeah. we don't want to see this thing where they're just going to hit yeah. each other off the track for the rest of the season so let's wait and see but yeah let's let's get into that right now what you just touched on because in the aftermath of the crash with the red flag and even after the race. I would agree with you that Red Bull, I think, did come, a li- come across as, oh, I don't know what it was. This sounds harsh, pathetic. Um, <laughs> in the sense where Christian Horner's argument of, oh my God, no one overtakes a cop. <laughs> like that, that should not have happened. We need to suspend this guy. Whoever, it's the most dangerous place to, shut up, mate. Like, <laughs>
2: yeah. It's a racetrack. Yeah. Every corner is an opportunity to overtake. You're in the, the pinnacle of motorsport on a racetrack with corners and drivers want to win. What's so, oh you can only have taken the slow corners. Yeah. Never no. have taken high speed. Uh, only in a DRS zones, please. Uh, and literally,
1: Hamilton <laughs> then went on to do two more overtakes in that corner. Yeah. I think it was in Alonso? To prove a point. Alonso tried to go around. Oh, who did he try and go around? Uh, he went around somebody went a bit wide enough to give the position back. Ricardo, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So you know. Great drivers are going to go for great overtakes. (laughs) And yes, it's a 180 mile an hour corner, whatever it would be at that point. But that's what gets the great drivers away from the average drivers. And I really got increasingly frustrated with Horner banging this drum of, you shouldn't be overtaking. You shouldn't stick a wheel up the inside at cops.
2: It it started with the FIA radio and I was messaging you going, I mean, okay, fine. The, The crash has just happened. But let the dust settle before, like, do you really think the FIA are just sitting there, like, doing nothing? Well, okay, so this is the best thing, right, is we've now got this FIA yeah. to Teams radio, which is just the best thing
1: Formula One have done ever. And we're hearing these radio communications between Michael Massey, race director, and usually team principals, or at least, you know, the teams in general. And the insight we've got, <laughs> the Toto Wolff email me. Yeah. meme, we'll, well, that yeah. will live forever. We'll come back to that in two seconds, but... <laughs> We've seen it in quite a few races before, and obviously F1 TV is selective over to which radio messages they play yeah. out. But we have heard Red Bull quite a lot in these mm-hmm. scenarios. Very quickly, Jonathan or um, Wheatley, Jonathan, uh, have I just made that name up? It's Jonathan, it's, it's, I don't, I don't it's Wheatley, isn't it? Jonathan Wheatley on the Red Bull, p- oh, sorry guys, correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong. You know, very quickly jumping on and jumping to Michael yeah. Massey check uh, the and yeah, Christian was. And I, you know what? I get why Red Bull would be trying this. Yeah, you know, uh, their drivers just been in inverted commas taken out of the race in a potent, you know, in a very dangerous area. And it, you know, we've already mentioned Hamilton was partly to blame, hence mm-hmm. the penalty. Um, and they had Perez out of the points, uh, Mercedes in a two second and third at that point. You know, it was a huge sway. So they're going to be absolutely fuming, but just sort of think of a concise argument rather than you shouldn't be overtaken there. Yeah.
2: Because that that argument, I think, was a bit grim. I think you summed it up with a word that you just said there, trying. Mm. I felt like it all came across a little bit desperate. A little bit try hard. A little bit, as if to be like, yeah. I'm trying to think of an analogy where every time I heard them, it was almost as though... They were exaggerating everything, even though the crash was obviously big. Huge. I just felt 50 G is huge. I just felt like, you know, when you do something wrong in school, and then you you like run to the teacher, oh my God, like you, you try and like get them on the side. Um, that's kind of the way that I'm I'm thinking about it. I got so frustrated um with the way that they reacted to the whole situation. Um
1: it was like a dive in football. Yeah. I in felt, the side the penalty box.
2: <laughs> I, I felt like they knew. They'd obviously spoken to Max. They knew that he was okay. And uh, even in the post-race, like Christian was using it. Uh, mm. I've got to drive it in hospital. He's already got all of yeah. the reports and checks back. He knows that he's okay. He's, he's using that as an excuse to try and kill off um, Mercedes and, and Lewis. I hope he's happy with that. That's a hollow victory. And then uh, Jensen comes back. They all. Uh, Damien, that wasn't that was an amazing drive and yeah. an amazing wing. Yeah, yeah. So I think what Christian was saying there, it was almost as though everyone else, other than the Red Bull team, felt like he was being a little bit silly,
1: yeah, you know as i say I, I, if i 'm just trying to put myself in that position of being a Red Bull fan and being a Verstappen fan and and also being within the Red Bull organization, you are going to be absolutely uh, yeah, yeah fuming and raging and be trying to fight your corner and trying to see if there 's any way that you can get more punishment you know put put on Mercedes or Hamilton. and so so I understand it but there's also something which is dignity in losing, right? Or, or, mm. or, or, or in those moments where whatever you might feel, and yes, uh, as many people said in the, com- uh, the TV analysis yesterday, two, you need two drivers to have a crash, right? I think Toto Wolff said yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You need two drivers to have a crash. Yeah. And, and Hamilton got a penalty. He was definitely partly to blame, for sure, if not maybe
2: more to blame than uh, Verstappen. If, if Max hadn't have totally wiped out and been able to continue that lap mm. maybe drop down to p12 p13 or whatever and maybe lewis had front wing damage or a front mm. tire puncture do you think max would have got a penalty as well
0: life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs that's why united healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs learn more at uh1.com
1: no i think that i think the outcome would have always remained the same because the accident would not have happened if hamilton hadn't have placed his car there right i think the point being that we were trying to make earlier is the accident could have been avoided by both of them Mm. as i say if hamilton hadn't have placed his car there or he had backed out the accident would have happened if Verstappen hadn't turned in so aggressively, knowing that there was, because he did know the car yeah. was up inside. This This is the whole thing. People say, oh, he couldn't really, didn't know where he was. He did, because we saw him turn out of the corner. So he knew Hamilton was there. So, but, but if Hamilton Hamilton was, and I think this is why I got the penalty, and the FI did release a statement, which I stupidly didn't read before doing this podcast, but <laughs> summing up why they gave him that penalty, but I'm assuming this was the case, because, yeah, fundamentally, it was his car that was off the racing line trying to do an overtake coming from behind that sort of then caused the accident so so i i totally side with that and i get that my point being they were alongside enough hamilton was aggressive enough that verstappen i think could have decided to concede that corner and potentially still been able to win that race i think you know uh, my question to my my mum and my uh, and vicky was if it was Alonso or Vettel, what would they have done in that scenario? Mm. That would be my question. And we saw what Leclerc and Norris did. And okay, fine, Norris maybe was a little bit easier, but but Leclerc was not giving up that position no. easily. He never was, and yeah. he nearly lost it. And he, it he came on, back onto on the, the track, curve, yeah. still like hunting him down. So, you know, that's a prime example that we saw, we saw multiple overtakes and not just Hamilton during that Grand Prix, in that corner, and how different drivers tackled it and did it.
2: The other drivers aren't fighting for a world championship.
1: Totally agree with you there. Very valid point. And they haven't been competing all season long. What are we, race, whatever we are. And it's been Hamilton versus Verstappen head-to-head for however long. So there was frustrations building there. But I think, yeah, Christian's tactics was just a bit too much and a bit, he was kind of the only man. Mm-hmm. Like everyone else in the paddock was like, it's a kind of yeah, racing Like yeah, Charlotte yeah, Claire yeah. was like, it's a racing incident. I was right behind them. What on the radio is a racing it? Everyone M- was like, it's a racing incident. Yeah, yeah. And then you got Christian Horner being like, kill him! <laughs> hang him! He's a murderer!
2: <laughs> um, Put him in F2. And even
1: Helmut Marco came out, there so suspend him for a race. He ruined Albon's career. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. Helmut Marco? How are you saying he ruined him? So yeah, it was all a bit sort of tip-tap, but. The genius that we got was the sort of rebuttal from Mercedes during that FIA <laughs> to Teens Radio when Toto came on saying, like, Michael, hello, I've just sent you an email. Have you got it? And he's like, no i don't <laughs> check my emails during the rest you really should it's a great email it's, it's got a, di- it's a ad- I don't diagram you've got to see it it's a fantastic diagram <laughs> and there were some amazing things on twitter head over to my twitter uh it's it's seen through glass spelt like sort of avil levine way t-h-r-u glass <laughs> um uh, but yeah i retweeted an amazing sort of you know stick joy five-year-old yeah, kid, kid joy like, good guy bad guy <laughs> bang bang <laughs> um so uh yeah that was an amazing moment i love that insight but uh, Martin Brundle I think uh, very interestingly pointed out maybe it was Corinne Chandock again go on Karin Chandock I don't know where uh, that Michael Massey doesn't hand out the penalties it's the stewards so, so these team principals moaning and complaining and, and banging on to poor Michael Massey who at that time was trying to sort out a red flag and a driver going to hospital uh,
2: didn't you know it's the It's, the, it's, the, it's uh, you, you use this analogy earlier it's the same as an entire team surrounding a referee when a a foul has just happened to be like send him off send him off trying to influence the referee as if a professional who is fully qualified to become a referee and is trained not to be influenced as if it's going to make a difference and i felt like it was a bit of a waste of breath some of of it some of it i get the heat
1: i I understand it and i understand where they're coming from but as we mentioned at the beginning, we are fundamentally Hamilton fans. So we are always going to side towards Hamilton and Mercedes. So what I want to know in the comment section for this particular episode, and if you're listening online, so Spotify, Apple Podcasts, make sure to tweet, as I say, Seen Through Glass, uh, T-H-R-U, Glass, uh, and hashtag, after the checkered flag, you can... can No, please don't. Add Wallace PJW (laughs) as well. My guest for this week. Uh, um, Let us know. What I want to know is, are you a fan of Hamilton or Verstappen? So put fan of... Hamilton, or Verstappen, and then who do you think was to blame for the accident? That's what I want to know. So you can say racing incident. So I want to say fan of Verstappen, racing incident, or fan of Hamilton, Hamilton to blame. That's that's the comments I want to see. Feel free to obviously share more thoughts, absolutely fine. But I'd be really interested because as I, as a Hamilton fan, I would call it a racing incident, but I would agree with the penalty that Hamilton got. That's what i say. So I would admit that Hamilton was slightly more to blame, but uh, that it was a race. It should have been declared a racing incident, I think. That, that's my... Yeah, I think
2: that, I think that's a pretty good summary. I think that's a pretty good summary. And when he got that 10-second penalty, I still kind of felt like he had it in the bag. But my God, did he have to drive his... Well, sc- come on, let's get the, into the, it. The wheels <laughs> off. Well, I just want to start with saying how exciting was it that Latifi got P14. <laughs> what? Latifi? Was he in the race?
1: Yeah. Oh, I thought he retired. That's so good. Look at you and your favourites. If this is your first time (laughs) tuning into After the Chicken Flag, you're like, why is he talking about Latifi? Uh, Paul and I made a pact to talk about drivers' that don't often get a lot of coverage, especially here on the podcast. <laughs> you had Latifi. And Stroll. And, Stroll and I had Giovinazzi and... Latifi beat
2: Giovanazzi. Oh, classic.
1: Come on. Um, I'm not sure who my yeah, other driver was. You're That's useless how, at this. Which I is why I, I should be the Sonoda? Was it Sonoda or Ocon? Ocon. Giovinazzi and Ocon. I mean, he had a great Friday.
2: Oh, what a joke. Terrible Saturday yeah. and Sunday. Disaster.
1: Anyway. Let's get into the main thing. Okay. I'm always sitting by my Ferrari hat, my Schumacher hat. And <laughs> what a race for Ferrari. Can I just say, by the way, this is so, and they did pick up on the commentary. So uh, 375, uh, sorry, let's go back. 1951, Ferrari's first ever victory in Formula One. <laughs> Ferrari's first ever victory in Formula One at Silverstone in the 375 by, I've now forgotten his name, Gonzalez. Uh,
2: is that just a generic Italian name you No, no, up? he's No, no, I don't think he was even <laughs> Italian. Uh,
1: anyway, uh, 60 years later, 2011, Ferrari win their only race of that year with Fernando Alonso in a Ferrari at Silverstone. Mm. That bore mm. the 599 GTB 60 F1, ah, the Alonso edition. The most
2: overpriced Ferrari in existence. Uh, agreed, collector's <laughs> item.
1: And so for the 70th anniversary of Ferrari victories in Formula One, which they happens, haven't actually happened yet, <laughs> which I thought was quite weird. So there is um, uh, Charles Claire driving the Gonzalez car around Silverstone. All of these things come together. And then he's leading the race <laughs> for 95% of it. I'm sitting there going, there better be an 812 super fast. <laughs> let <electric> edition. Because <laughs> I'm putting it... D- no, I don't have that kind of money. <laughs> As you know, the Ferrari <laughs> fanboy, the person in me who's looking to, who am I going to support post the Hamilton era? I've already declared it will be Leclerc. Um, this was a Grand Prix that I was like, oh, firstly, unbelievable qualifying, yeah, great sprint race, sort of sprint, hmm, D- of club, the sprint. Yeah, For the maybe, not so much science, yeah, yeah. Leclerc, <laughs> disaster, and then an unbelievably strong performance in the race. I think Ferrari surprised themselves. They knew they had speed. And I think they surprised everyone with just how much speed on that medium tire. Hey, look, the, the, the temperature came to them. I think they liked the hot conditions. Genuinely fast and competitive. And I think what you hear from Mercedes and what we all witnessed, Hamilton out that car and had to, to catch and pass Leclerc. Like that was an amazing performance to be able oh, to catch Bottas. And- <laughs> <laughs> great team player. <laughs> oh, I, I find it so condescending now how Hamilton's like, he's just such a good teammate by letting me through <laughs> so easily because he's so slow. What a great teammate. But to be fair, helped Hamilton get pole, was it, do you call it pole on the Friday with a bit of a drag? So, you know, Bottas is just playing that team role now. So, what is that about? We're still confused by what's yeah. happening next year. You've got to assume Russell, who's nailing P7s and P8s in qualifying, um, you know, has it, got yeah, that he's seat. He's kind of going backwards but on Sunday. though. Bottas is literally bumming Toto Wolff so hard but by doing anything he asks for. Yeah. Let loose through now. Okay. <laughs> Give him a drag. Sure, no problem. <laughs> uh, it's so weird. But yeah, Charlie Leclerc. Amazing. And yeah. a P2. Great. And he's just still outperforming that car. It was epic to see, and because of all the anniversaries as a Ferrari fan, i I just thinking, "Oh my god, it's meant to be." It wasn't meant to be, but who cares? It was,
2: it was, it was great. It was, on. it was, it was cool to see. I think it was great to see. As I always say, when Leclerc outperforms that car and Ferrari get a podium, uh, uh, a P one a podium, no, uh, pole, pole, qualifying. Sorry, yeah, this is confusing Monday morning. Yeah. <laughs> um, you cannot not have Ferrari up at the top competing, whether you're it's a fan of Ferrari or not. You have to.
1: And there was that one moment where we thought maybe Hamilton was going to be out as well, or he was Mm. going to get a bigger penalty. And let's face it, no one cared about Bottas because suddenly Twitter (laughs) went, Ferrari versus McLaren for the win? (laughs) What? I mean, to be fair, at that point, Bottas was behind Norris. Um, But yeah, it it felt like for two seconds, I think I text you and Tony saying, Leclerc, Norris, Hamilton for the yeah. podium, and I'm not sure in what in what order. Um, unfortunately, McLaren didn't quite have that race pace to to stay up there with Bottas. Um, but great great results from McLaren anyway. Strongish from P4, Danny
2: Rick. P four, P five. Yeah,
1: exactly. So you know, it, it was good. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, so what I wanted to ask about is what were your thoughts on the
2: sprint on on the. Um Schedule. Yeah, on the weekend schedule.
1: First time we've seen it, as I say, qualifying, we had free practice one on Friday, qualifying on Friday afternoon, free practice two on Saturday morning, sprint Saturday afternoon, and then the race.
2: I think the, the practice schedule was hella confusing. I think for the teams, for the drivers, as well as for everyone else watching, I always feel like they get swept under the radar quite a lot. Unless you're a, like, super fan, no one watches practice. Sorry, I, I do. Yeah, but you're a super uh, Yes, agreed. As, as am I. So yeah. on, on, a fr- on a Friday at 11am, 11 p- 11 I'm like, oh, what should I do? Practice. Yes. Um, what I enjoyed from an entertainment point of view, obviously over the last couple of months or so, we've had so much football on every single evening that there's something to look forward to every day. And I think that Friday evening qualifying session played so well into the weather that it is just such a cool thing. And I saw it across social media. I saw loads of my friends talking about it. They were out in the garden having a barbecue, having a couple of beers on a Friday night, finishing a week long of, of work, and then being able to watch actually something quite exciting and meaningful within the F1 weekend. And that I felt was genius. From from the TV, from the advertisers, I feel like spreading the entertainment across a three day period and giving us some Friday evening entertainment so that we don't have to watch Love Island um, <laughs> is so cool. Then we kind of dropped it down a notch and had a practice. It was like, oh, oh, not going straight. Into What's the, this about? Not going straight into the sprint, are we? Whilst the cars are in park, Fermi Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. And then the... I don't think the sprint's perfect. I don't... I I can't work it out. I can't work out whether it's... It needs to be shorter or or needs to be longer. I think if it's longer and and we bring in pit stops, then what's the point of having the race on a Sunday? I think if it's shorter... I could. I can't put my finger on what... What I loved was Alonso on lap. Oh, my God. What what a hero. 11th to 5th, was it? Yeah. It was like watching me play F1 2021 on Xbox against... Amateur,
1: difficulty level. <laughs> was it Räikkönen at Portugal last year that did the same thing? Just woke up and went, I'm, like, yeah. I'm going to overtake everyone. You know, <laughs> useless <laughs> kids move. Um, yeah, so, sorry. Uh, uh, any more thoughts on the... Mm. Not that I can place my finger on. Uh, the, so, okay. So I would agree with you. Friday afternoon or evening qualifying, genius. Yeah. So good. And after one practice, yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Do that every time, I think. That, yeah. that was great to see. And it felt... Competitive, Okay, look, not every qualifying is going to be that, but we are seeing now that the teams are closer. Qualifying is becoming more and more exciting. And the average pundit could tune into a 6 or 7 p.m. qualifying and follow it and be quite excited by the shootout. Um, FP2 on a Saturday morning in park framing conditions, bin that off. What's the point? Maybe go back to a very old school. uh, They used to have a Sunday pre-race warm-up, which was 30 minutes, and literally just, just to sort of get the cars taken over. So maybe just do that. On a, on a Saturday morning, just call it the warm-up, the sprint warm-up or whatever. Every,
2: every team will treat it as some sort of practice. But that's fine. Yeah. 30 minutes. Yeah. Literally 30 minutes. let okay. get out there and get yeah. the cars
1: taken over because an hour, like, it was point like, what's the point? Like yeah. an hour long. I
2: think back in the day when they had that warm-up, the cars did need taken over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably. <laughs> um, not so much now. Not so much. <laughs> the sprint, I would
1: agree with you. Right, like, This is the first time they've tried it, so it's not going to be perfect from the outset. Yeah. I think what it delivered was, was some great first lap action. And then I think everyone really cooled down as in like, okay, cool. Yeah, we, we've yeah, done yeah. that, we made oh, like, yeah. I'm happy here. And then I think it led to a very exciting race. I do think a lot of what we saw in the race was because of pent up frustrations between Hamilton and Verstappen, mm. but also throughout the field of what had happened and people were like, oh, I qualified so well. Now look, I'm yeah, four places low, yeah. I'm high or whatever it might be. and. And seeing Perez having to come through the field and all these different things. <laughs> they go so then go backwards again. Yeah. <laughs> it was not a great weekend for Perez. Um, so these things I think were good to see. I would agree. Okay, so here, here are my like controversial things. One lap shootout. <laughs> one lap shootout. One lap, and not shootout. One lap. The sprint should be one lap. Starting grid, one lap. Finishing order done. Okay. Weird. I know. Yeah. So that's one potential. My other one was do the qualifying, the sprint should be in reverse grid order as a spectacle and the and the and and the qualifying. because what i didn't like was finishing the line well done max you've got pole and i don't think they can qualify or, or, or quantify a pole position now as that sprint victory it goes against everything everyone's about I agree. pole I agree. positions are about being the fastest man of the and so i don't like them saying well done you've won pole so i think the sprint's got to be its own thing and not say that's pole position so therefore, how do you make the sprint purposeful? How do you make it? Because what it could do moving forward is it could mean as the teams understand it and know how to use it, is that it makes Sunday a bit less exciting. It could make Sunday quite predictable because yeah. all the sort of, anyone who's, who's misqualified sorts themselves out and then the race is a little bit straightforward, maybe. So I'm thinking is, do you do qualify on the Friday afternoon and on the Saturday it's just this mad reverse grid order, see what happens, for some points because then that allows the the yeah. lesser teams the Williams the Alfa Romeo's mm. maybe to score points and make the championship a little bit more competitive
2: so it's only half points you can do back to the old thing of Is it putting cars in positions they might not necessarily want to be in in the sense that Mercedes are trying to catch a Haas for track position Yeah so no no pit stops damage
1: I mean can you imagine if Schumacher and Mazepin were first and second on a sprint race and they set off and it's over 17 laps, how long will it take Hamilton to go through the field and then overtake a Schumacher? You would think it would be done, Well, it'd be yeah, exciting but to the, see, but wouldn't there it? Are,
2: there are 17 other cars that have got to go f- before, and you can guarantee that at least two of them. I mean, I just think that the session the session will be red flags so, so often. So.
1: The thing is, reverse, people don't want things to become gimmicky in F1, which I agree. Mm. And I thought that maybe the sprint could become pointless, with time mm. if they do it for every grand prix or well i think after a while it just be a bit like oh, i never understand the point yeah. of this, and, and saturday will become a bit of a dead day so I, I just thought use that opportunity for it to be a spectacle to just be an entertaining well then silly spectacle i mean go karts well no that's a bit crazy <laughs> <laughs> but, but, also, a but also to spread points to the field because all we see is unfortunately has will just not being able to score any points and they finish the year with no points and how depressing for sponsors, for commercial benefits, for all these different reasons, how cool would it be to see a race where Russell starts in third and manages to hold on for seventeen laps and wins the race? Okay, fine, he right, might only come get P11. he might only get ten points. No, but you mean he come P eleven? Oh, bit? he just will. Okay, <laughs> so because he's cursed. <laughs> but do you see what I'm saying? So I don't know if I agree with my own theory, but but that's one way I thought to shuffle it up. Y-
2: again, I just. It sounds like you can't quite put your finger on it, like like me. It wasn't quite right. Yeah. And I think it's because it's the first one. I was talking to Archie on the Friday because I was at Silverstone. We were watching it. And I kind of feel like sprint races should be at maybe 25% of the races. Mm. I still feel like Q1, Q2, Q3 on a Saturday has a priority in terms of excitement and also in terms of fairly deciding the grid for Sunday without overshadowing sunday i think there are opportunities to put a sprint race in and change the format up to spice it up a little bit i just feel like they need to fine tune the sprint race in yeah. some way even if it's like a 10 lap shootout something that what i didn't really like is the fact that drivers were able to um Choose tires. I thought they were supposed yeah. to be on softs.
1: So yes, you're right. Some of these elements were a bit like huh? I yeah. don't really get it. But hey, let's face it. We came away from what was a very exciting race or, 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 weekend. Yeah,
2: or do we just like? How do you have a level playing field for it? You know, like everyone well, has. Good. Everyone has to have a 500 brake horsepower.
1: No, no, no. That's too IndyCar now. Okay. Now you're going to IndyCar. Yeah. I, I wouldn't do that because then you're then you're questioning what Formula 1's all about. If for one race, like everyone's got a limit where they can only what does that then prove?
2: Because mm. then everyone's just going to go, well, just, I'm just brainstorming. Maybe yeah. we go down the Christian Horner route and no overtakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only overtake a 20 mile an hour course. <laughs> uh, anyway, we'll see. They're obviously going to
1: try and figure it out. But you know, I, I don't think we can knock it. It's a test.
2: It was, it was purely a test, right? And it will happen across a few other races this season. Exactly. My only concern is it literally ruins
1: three days of my week. Because <laughs> that means, you know, before I, I could skip practice, if I, if, if I was busy, yeah, I'd watch yeah, the highlights. Yeah, yeah. And on a Saturday, again, like I could stream qualifying, I could dip in and out. I'd always be there for the race. Yeah. Well, now I'm like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And And then Monday for the pod, hello. (laughs) Four days of my week spread across two weeks. Anyway, it's been mad. It's been intense. It's the moment I say, I think we've all been waiting for or expecting. Yes, a catalyst, I think. For the rest of the season, we all know if you look at seasons past when these moments happen, when two title rivals finally kind of tangle or really go head to head on track at this point, it does usually then spark things. You know, we've seen it with Rosberg, we've seen it with Vettel, Weber. I still think the
2: fact that Lewis came away from that pretty unscathed and went on to win the race is um, it's not it's not quite as an even outcome as I think is going to spark a future fight. For the rest of the season, I kind of feel like Lewis felt so dominant yesterday, winning that race after driving the wheels off his car, beating Mm. Leclerc, that he's going to go into the next race with such a strong mentality, whereas Verstappen's going to go in almost with, like, revenge in his eyes, because I I was the one that crashed. You literally knocked me off and carried on and won the race. Like, I think if they'd both come off, I think they would have had kind of an equal... Respect for each other to be like, look, we can't, we can't do that again. Yeah, no, you're, but that's,
1: I think that's exciting. I think yeah. that's what oh, we yeah, want. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like, like for, for, from my side, this is uh, now I'm, because I feel like there was a slight sort of, okay, was really dominant, and I felt like he had the upper hand, mm-hmm. there was the pace advantage, but also I felt like Hamilton was a little bit like, oh, I'm just biding my time. And I think the, this was the go moment. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. was Hamilton saying, enough's enough, maybe recklessly, maybe dangerously, but saying, this, i, I got, I, I'm not going to win this championship th- now th- th- by sitting I, here. I think
2: a lot of people wrote Lewis off. I felt like, At this point in the championship, there have been many times where Lewis has been, has come from behind and won the world championship. Um, And I kind of feel like a lot of people that I spoke to uh, had almost conceded the fact that Lewis could still win the world championship. And I think that's relatively naive.
1: Well, the thing is, as with any great champion, great athlete, it's like on a, you know, 400 meter. When's your go moment? When's your right? I'm not at the beginning. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, 400 meters is not that long. You've you got to know when you're at your strongest, right? And when Talk you pull about the a trigger, marathon. a marathon, fine, <laughs> whatever <laughs> it might be. No, but even even on track, I was watching that Olympic documentary on BBC with, I think it was Christina or something like that. And she said she knew the back last 100 meters was her strongest. Mm. She had to come around that final bend and then that was where uh, she was going to okay. be her strongest. So, so, my point being that i i do think whatever reason whether it was the sprint whether it was the five races the build up at this moment hamilton just decided right now now is when i will take those risks no matter how reckless or dangerous or how they'll be perceived or what might come out of them but now is when i need to step up to the point where i'm not gonna let the staff and kind of walk over me not that he's walked over him but Hamilton has. is definitely been playing the points game up until this yeah, point
2: he's just been he's been collecting points and i feel like there was an element of the sprint mm-hmm. where lewis was frustrated yeah and then also everything up until the crash if you go back and look from the moment the lights went out up until the crash max was all over the road missed every single line kind of went wide on most and then was bumping wheels with. we lewis didn't even touch that train. did we? yeah exactly lewis was like i mean it looks cool but not 200 miles yeah. an hour when I'm in the other car. Stop
1: bumping my tires. Oh, I love that. In the present interviews, he's like, you know, the thing was like, you know, I know back in the day, like we saw this historic <laughs> footage of like people bumping wheels. Like it's cool, man. But like, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, it was, hey, look, it was, it was aggressive. It was yeah, close. Yeah, yeah. It was full on, which is what we want to see. And, and, and that's exactly, I think, This that's why I'm saying it's a catalyst, because I think now gloves are off. Mm -hmm. And you're right, Verstappen's going to come out feeling a bit cheated. He was going to want revenge. Red Bull are going to be ging him up. Don't let Hamilton do this to us, blah, blah. We're going to a a track that Hamilton has been insanely strong at and successful at over the years. He's going to be full of confidence, and we've seen that with Hamilton. He loves... Coming from behind. Oh. <laughs> he, 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 loves, he loves chasing. Uh, he loves being, you know, like the the, the, the chase of the attacker. Um, and it motivates him, And especially when there's a strong race weekend like this, where I think he probably knows deep down what he did. And I don't, I'm not saying he purposefully hit for Zappen, but in terms of took that risk he went right this is my moment I'll take the risk yeah. let's see what happens okay he turned in yeah. lesson learned like it's fine That's, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah.
2: that's that was always going to be his risk to take Well, so if this happens at the next race which is Hungary right yeah and the same thing happens mm-hmm. do you feel like because of what happened at Silverstone Max is going to back out no absolutely <laughs> not <laughs> no. absolutely not <laughs> yeah. but that's pretty I, I know Hamilton now
1: because yeah. Hamilton now knows right if I leave if I stay in if I don't duck out yeah he's gonna t- like we're gonna crash well like but like he cannot as a champion as a racer he cannot go okay well i don't want to keep crashing so i'll just let Verstappen take the corner because that that is what i think hamilton was insinuating Verstappen's mentality or tactic is mm. as in we will crash unless you back out mate so off you go and hamilton say well no I'm, yeah i'm not gonna do that so <laughs> let's crash and at some point it's going to come off worse for Verstappen like it did yesterday and Verstappen's going to have to concede at certain times he's going to have to change his tactics yeah. that's all it is which it goes
2: back to my original point of it's it, there's going to be races where Max just needs to damage limitate his situation mm-hmm. and on lap 1 it might not be a case of two cars trying to go into one it might be a case of lewis you can have that position yep. i back my car i back my ability to somehow get past you and I also back the pit crew to strategize the way that I'm gonna win this race so that I can come back and win the race and actually get over the checkered flag because obviously he didn't and lost out on massive points. That's it, that's racing. And I think I can hear
1: Verstappen fans listening to this and going, you're admitting that Hamilton purposefully crashed. That's not what I'm personally saying. What I'm saying is they were both to blame. Verstappen could have avoided the accident that Hamilton went in there knowing that if he didn't that's what would happen mm. so yes that's what you're right I think uh, it, this is a season long race. it's not one corner this is one this corner, how, this is it's how not you win lap, championship exactly that you've got to know when to concede you've got to know when to attack you've got to know when to lose or win a corner so that over a race distance and then over a championship you're maximising points so that at the end you're there and we've said it so many times Hamilton has done a great job so far this year mm. of trying to minimise or, you know, or to maximise the points you can get when Verstappen wins so that at weekends like this, because sometimes it's going to be unreliability as well. You know, it's not always going to be them clashing on track that he's there and he can suddenly close up the gap. So yeah, it was mad. But I say, let us know in the comment section below if you're watching on YouTube. Tweet us otherwise if you're listening who you are a fan of, Verstappen or Hamilton, or who you support in this situation, and then who you think was to blame. Verstappen, Hamilton, or was it just a racing incident? We will be back with you next week then for the- Is there no time to talk about Lance Stroll? No, no, no. time. Uh no. unfortunately not. So yeah, we didn't follow our usual <laughs> format this week, but uh, who cares? Uh, and it's actually my birthday. Next next uh <laughs> next Monday. I thought you were gonna say today. No. <laughs> no. no, for the Not another year that I've forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> for the Hungarian Grand Prix review. Okay. My birthday. So let's face it, it might not actually be recorded on that day. We'll probably do <laughs> it the day after. But you know, yellow. <laughs> <laughs> we'll catch up with you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.